And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and a big, exciting Homecoming Week episode that I've got for you this week. Oh, it's extra long, because of course it is. You couldn't have a short episode last week without me overcompensating by going extra long. But no, I'm, I'm super excited because, uh, of course, the M Club Hall of Fame is this week, the 2006 Bearcat football team, and number 46, Jared Erspommer, who's uh, will be having uh, NASCAR duties this week, and he's on the pit crew of Chase Elliott. And although I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a big NASCAR guy, it's pretty cool because Chase Elliott is, is uh you know, looks like he's he's right in there to win a win another championship as the as the season winds down, and and he's the only driver I think to win more than three races this year. So pretty cool. So we'll catch up with Jared and uh, and talk to him a little bit. Of course, this week's player interview, Robert Rawi, who uh, unfortunately suffered that injury. I'm not quite sure that we'll see him again this season, but we don't talk about that. We talk about his journey to Northwest. I'll be honest, it's it's extra, it really extra kind of bums me out because of, uh, you know, he hung around, biding his time, really was playing well this season, and I believe kind of standing out, and then, of course, that happens. But um, great kid, he's a great leader on this football team as well, and so I'm excited to to share that uh, chat with you. Of course, Wesley Miller from the Northwest Missouri and their sports editor, he returns here on this week, uh, this week's podcast, and... Bill Huddleston, who's the voice of the Northeastern State Riverhawks, will talk this matchup and kind of where the Riverhawks sit uh, at this point in the season, besides just one and six. But uh, all that, of course, you won't forget about the Bearcats, according to Eli. That's coming up. Eli picks his players, his favorite players. He couldn't pick one this year. He's picking an offensive and defensive player. I kind of put him on the spot, and it's been mentioned to me that he hadn't picked one yet this season, so... He does that. I, I don't know what I did to him, but he uh, you'll find out at the end. He is he's extra <laughs> riled up this week. I did uh, get him some caffeine before. I, I don't know that I will make that uh, mistake again. <laughs> so so all that coming up on this week's big episode of of course, I do want to start off by talking about what a win. You know, the cardiac cats are back. At least they were for one week. Big time win for Northwest uh, over Washburn, 32-30. to 30. What a comeback win. Washburn scores 20 points in the fourth quarter after being held to 10 through the first three. The Bearcats no scoring in the third quarter after leading 23-10 to 10 at halftime. Um, so many guys banged up. Captains that not even available for the game, but boy, the guys that, that could play and uh, some guys who've been backups really, really... Um, Played well. Sam Phillips had a spectacular game. MIAA Defensive Player of the Week for him. Um, KG, Kashawn Griffin, what a ball game he had as well. I mean, he uh, he just went off. Great in special teams. He he uh, had 163 yards receiving a couple of touchdowns as well. He was a co-offensive player of the week in the MIAA. And, of course, I'm going to talk about Cole Lamel. And and I talked a couple weeks ago after the Missouri Western game, which, quite honestly, he should have been the MIAA Special Teams Player of the Week that week. Nothing anybody can say will convince me otherwise. But, of course, he gets it this week, 100% deserving um, with that 36-yard game-winning field goal. You know, he struggled so much last season. That's We all know that by this point. But 9 of 9 on, on field goals. 
um, so far. I don't believe he's missed an extra point since week two. And so um, what a what a great story and a great feeling. I'm so proud of him, by the way, that if not that that necessarily matters <laughs> or, or something that he's looking for, but, but, but in all seriousness, I'm 100% proud of him, you know, in this day and age when, you know, the, the portal is what it is. It's really easy for guys to have a bad year or something and move on. He, uh, you know, he stuck around and I, I don't even know, honestly, that he was going to be the first choice kicker going into this season, some injuries and things. And boy, he has been spectacular this season. And, you know, I see, I can see a kick like this. Of course, he's been automatic this season, but I can see a kick like this being very similar if you think back to 2010 and a young sophomore by the name of Todd Adolph, who uh, kicked a walk-off field goal against Central Missouri in Warrensburg. And he, he, on the podcast last season, when I talked to Todd about that, he said that kick pretty much propelled him and gave him the confidence to be the kicker he was throughout the rest of that season and in his junior and, and senior year to be one of the excellent kickers that we've had that have kind of been a guy around for four years. And, uh, I mean, Cole obviously is is doing a great job. We know he's talented, got a heck of a leg. And uh, anyway, that's really cool to see. So definitely wanted to uh, give props to him. Mikey Hohens, he goes for a career high, 366 yards passing for him. Uh, Jamar Moya had over 100 yards receiving as well. Um, the running game really struggled. Uh, the Bearcats only ran for 73 yards, but held uh, held Washburn to 43 yards rushing, seven sacks. Just the defense was uh, especially early on. Sam Phillips had four tackles for loss. Elijah Green with two and a half sacks. Um, Zach Howard gets another sack and uh, climbing up the career charts for him. Uh, Kobe Claiborne, great job. Jake Fisher, a sack and a half. And uh, just really, really great to see. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a team win. The defense played well at times. The offense kind of had to bail it out. I mean, that last drive was something special. You know, the kickoff with 24 seconds left, and you got to get in field goal range and ran pretty much two perfect plays. You had two timeouts. It was, uh, yeah, pretty excellent. So, uh, you know, Kellen Simonsic, I, I tell you what, that kid is, for being beat up as much as he was during the game to come back, I mean, talk about a gamer, that 10-yard rushing touchdown on fourth and goal to take the lead with 24 seconds left. He threw for 314 and three touchdowns. Um, he, uh, yeah, that kid's just a sophomore. We're going to have to worry about him for a couple of more years, it looks like, but um, big win, you know, the, the Bearcats know they, they got to win out to even have a chance to be in the playoffs, although it's not automatic. Harding, by the way, did lose um, over the weekend, so that gives them two losses. So, you know, another uh, another team with silo scheduling, so you think that's probably got to help, um, got to help the Bearcats cause. But none of it matters if you don't win these, um, you know, these last four games. So um, it... Uh, you know, and, and the toughest two are on the road. But it all starts this weekend, Northeastern State homecoming. It ought to be a great atmosphere. Tickets are selling about as well as you would expect on, on a homecoming week. Hopefully the, the crowd will, will do their job, makes lot, make lots of noise. You know, we haven't had a game where, you know, we've got to get a lot of the starters out early. Backups in, I think there's the potential for that. Of course, nothing's automatic. Um, you know, going to have to play a good game. They're still, you know, the 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 team is still kind of a mash unit at this point, but, but to be able to gut out a win like they did Saturday, 
is pretty special. I think it's something we should all, um, you know, take notice of and, and be proud of. Um, the, so if you go back to last year's Washburn game, I, I want to go back. I want to talk about Cole Lamel for a second, because obviously that wasn't, you know, one of his great games, missed a couple of short field goals in that game. And he has ends up being the difference in this year's game. So not only is he kind of getting redemption overall, but against the same opponent from last year. And so, uh, so that was, that was kind of cool as well. And, and the team can kind of put that loss from last year behind them a bit, or at least us fans. I don't know if the team really, really hung on to it all that much, but, uh, yeah, big big game this this weekend and a big opportunity. Hopefully the Cats can continue to get healthy and uh, and see what happens. Well, like I said, lots to come still here on Bleeding Green. And in fact, we'll just start off with the big interview first. Jared Erspommer going to the M Club Hall of Fame as an individual. He's already in there on the 05 team. He'll go on as part of the 06 team as well. My chat with him will be right after this here on Bleeding Green. <laughs> Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. A very special guest this week as, you know, it's homecoming week, the M Club Hall of Fame and uh, the 2006 team going in. Also, number 46 linebacker Jared Erspommer going in as well. Joining me now, Jared, man, thanks so much for taking a little time and and reliving some uh, some great Bearcat memories with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. So, yeah, you kind of go in, you, you went in last year, too, as part of that 05 team. And now the 06 team's going in and you're going in. What? Um, was when you got the call when you found out about this was was it something that was kind of out of the blue? What were your feelings kind of like whenever you you found out that you were going in the in the M Club Hall of Fame? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. Obviously, I mean, I'm 36 and I still get to compete at the highest one of the highest levels I can get to compete at. So. As far as the call, I mean, I I figured eventually it was probably going to happen just because being being my double-A player of the year and stuff like that, I figured, well, eventually it's going to (laughs) happen. But, I mean, it's it's probably the greatest honor you can get from your college. And I was telling, um, uh, what's going to call this on the other podcast, but I didn't realize there's only like there's only like 146 or 148 people in there, and it started in 1980 or whatever. So it's that that's pretty pretty awesome when you consider how many people are in there and how many people has been at that university. Yeah, it's pretty, and that's overall the different <laughs> athletic departments. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's that's a definitely a, a special thing. Well, you're an Omaha guy, went from Millard South. What? Um, and, and you were. You know, I know you played football, baseball, wrestling. Was it a foregone conclusion that that football was going to be the the sport that you played after high school, or what? Uh... Uh, no, not at all. I mean, it it probably came down to really just football and um, wrestling, just because. So baseball is the, I mean, you play it in the spring, so I they I kind of already knew that 
announced where I was going to play football. And so a lot of people didn't, I never got recruited for baseball. And, uh, I was, I was actually, I was a pretty decent baseball player and I think I could have easily went on to play somewhere in that too. And I actually played my fifth year cause I didn't register on Northwest. I played my fifth year of eligibility. I played on the baseball team. So that was really cool. But that's a story for down the road here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, wrestling, I wasn't going to go to college. I was really good at wrestling, but at the end of the day, it's not its not going to take you anywhere. I mean, if you want to play at the professional level, it's either football or baseball. So that, I narrowed it down to really those two. So, so I'm, I'm guessing Omaha guy, you, I know UNO was in the, was in the mix for you. What, uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts kind of as, as you're getting ready to, to sign and, and why ultimately was it uh, Northwest for you? So really that was the only other place I was looking at. Um, one of their tight ends at the time, Jake Krause, he's from my high school and we were really good friends. So I was actually going to go to UNO and they actually said you could do since you redshirt your first year uh they said you could do football baseball and wrestling if you want and then afterwards you can decide on your favorite or you can choose two out of the three and uh go from there which is pretty appealing to me since I've done all three of those my entire life coming out of high school to where Northwest doesn't obviously didn't have wrestling and then but they have baseball but you know had an amazing football team baseball team and an absolutely amazing wrestling team so that that would have been pretty pretty cool but as far as northwest goes i had a i mean bostwick he's like he was like my second father basically that i mean that man is he's relentless he started recruiting me as a junior before my going into my junior year and really he was the only one talking to me and he, man, he was, if you looked up in the stands, he was there. It don't matter what it was. So he put in, he put in enough effort. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and his track record with defense, especially linebackers too, was, uh, was pretty good also. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and obviously you don't end up not red shirting that Oh four year, which is pretty unusual but i mean heck it's still unusual now but not it was almost unheard of at that time what uh was that something you were expecting or was it due to uh, lack of depth at linebacker or how how did how did that come about and, and was it coach bostwick that talked to you about it uh i mean yeah it was it was bostwick that mentioned it and he, he said i mean it was completely up to me he said if you want to you can if you don't want to then it's not a big deal because we didn't we didn't have much depth right when I got there. And yeah, I think I was the first, besides a punter, I think I was one of the first ones to not registered in so many years. But I mean, since then, it's been done by a few, few people. But basically, I mean, being on scout team, you, you look at a card and you get to play football. So I was really good on scout team. And I think that kind of caught their eye to begin with. Like, oh, heck, maybe maybe this guy can help us out. And so I think that eventually is what led him to asking me if I wanted to. And then I talked to a few people, and I thought, honestly, I thought it would have panned out a little bit better than it did. But at the same time, I didn't really have any expectations when it happened. But it was it was awesome because I got, like, Longy and 
Chad Bostwick and Troy Tisdall and like Ben Harness, like you couldn't ask a better four guys to learn how to play Bearcat football at linebacker. I mean, those guys are the, that's to me, that's the epitome of Bearcat football at linebacker for those learning from those four people. So that was awesome. Well, from, you know, I've, you know, I've talked with coach T quite a bit on, on this subject and he, he, this Oh four team is a team that he continually brings up to me. And, and he, you know, he says it's probably one of the, the best Bearcat teams ever, especially not to ever reach a, reach a championship game. Do you have any special memories or anything for, about that team or about your, your freshman year? Really? Honestly, I just felt like I don't have a lot of recollection of playing like Oh four, like even like Oh five when I started, I can't, uh, the people are like, well, you did this and this. I'm like, oh, all right, I didn't know that. But th- as far as the 14, I told people all the time, I said, if Lambeau doesn't break his hip, uh, I would I mean, I don't know how much, I bet a lot on that we win the national championship. And I, that's nothing against our backup, but Lambeau is a special player and that team was special. I mean, we had freaks everywhere. And really, that's about, that's about the only thing I can remember from that 04 team. And then obviously playing like Pitt State was really good. Like their offense was humongous with Phil Pot and just the O line and Jermaine Race. So really those are the only two things that I actually remember. <laughs> I got you. Well, the course 05, everybody knows about 05. The team went in the went in the Hall of Fame last season. And uh you know, obviously the remember the great playoff run and the will they won't they get in the playoffs, but you as a sophomore led the team in tackles that season. Um, you know, are there, are there any, um, you know, obviously the, the, the road trip and, and from a, I can remember that time as a fan, like we didn't know, Oh, you know, is this, is this team, you know, can this team make a run or, or, but it seems like from talking to so many of you guys on the team, and I know I've heard you talk about it before too, that you guys were pretty confident that if you got in the playoffs, you could make something special happen. Yeah. And I mean, really, so if you go back to that year, the games, I think was, is that like Pitt State beat the snot out of us at Arrowhead and then we beat them. Was that 06? Yeah, that was, was 05. That 05 or yeah. Mm-hmm. One so there. We, in we the beat playoffs. them at Pitt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that, that year, I mean, if you really look at it, besides that game, we, I mean, we beat ourselves and we got revenge, obviously, on, and it was a two of those teams. So that obviously goes to show in the regular season, we just, we made stupid mistakes and we knew that if we made the playoffs, those mistakes wouldn't happen again. And I mean, I don't, I don't care how many games you lose. I mean, it's college football there. You're, you're playing with kids. So if you show up ready to play, I mean, anything can happen. And you look at that today, like this college football season that's going on right now is the perfect example of that. You got people beating people that have no business beating people. Well, then, of course, we talk about 06, that team going into the going into the Hall of Fame as as well this weekend. And and that's a team that, you know, ran the table all the way to unfortunately meeting Grand Valley um, in the championship game again. I mean, you know, there's the the big win at Arrowhead. You guys kind of got revenge on UNO that had the beat you the season before. Um you know, the game against Shadron, I mean, that's one I want to ask you about because obviously, you know, everybody <laughs> made the the Danny Wood, Woodhead Xavier Oman comparison, but those guys weren't on the field at the same time. Um, and you guys 
did a pretty good job of of uh, shutting down Danny Woodhead whenever you faced him. Do you remember anything special about kind of the preparation for that game, or you guys being extra motivated to, uh, you know, to really really shut him and 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 Chadron down? Well, I well for me personally, it was uh, I've known Danny. Danny's we graduated the same year in high school. He's from North Platte. I'm from Omaha, so I've known him for a long time. But personally, yes, that was. Every time we played them, it was our goal just to beat the snot out of those guys. And that year, maybe, I don't, I don't know if it was that year or the year after, though. Well, it was that year. So, but going back to it, yeah, I mean, it's like we knew we knew he's a hell of a player, obviously. I mean, he hold, he held a bunch of the records, but we knew we had the better team. I, I tell everybody all the time, I said, if Xavier Oman was playing for Chadron State and – this is not nothing against Woodhead, but if he was playing at Chadron State and playing the teams that they played, that dude would have ran for fifty thousand yards in his career and three hundred touchdowns. That, but that's the way I feel about it. And because uh, we had we had some special players, but yeah, Chadron they, they they were good, obviously. But at the end of the day, I think the MIAA is a way stronger conference overall. Well, and if you look at, you know, too, to make Xavier's case was he was playing half, you know, he was playing the first half in some games or maybe just the first drive into the third quarter. You know, I mean, there's you guys would thump some people and, uh, you know, he 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 didn't have all four quarters to, uh, you know, him or anybody else on the offense to to put up all those numbers. Yeah, for sure. And I tell people all the time, they're like, well, he was good. I said, well, yeah, but when you play against arguably the best, some of the best offensive guys in D2, I mean, nobody looks that good compared to what we to see every every single day in practice. And I mean, we had we had some we had some pretty good practices, obviously, because Boswick and Doral and they'd get out at, at each other, and then that would just fire everybody else up. So we competed every single day like it was a game. Well, and that's what I was going to ask too. I know there were, there were competitions if, you know, guys having to carry guys pads or something like that. If, if Xavier would have a long run, do you have any, any memories of any, you know, any, any special practices or anything like that, or, or just kind of <laughs> Bostwick getting on you guys? Uh, no, the pads thing was kind of, uh, it was like a Dave and, uh, waters and all those guys kind of deal with Xavier just, uh, get after him and pick on him because they knew he wasn't going to do anything to us in practice because we were our defensive line was that good and uh they just went back and forth whoever did what had to carry each other's pads but the the best story i have from practice is we were sitting there one day and on it was i think it was we were running inside or something where it's just all run plays and Doral called like a play action pass or something to be a butthead to Bostwick. And so Doral and Bostwick got into it and just like kept chirping at each other and just got at each other's throats. And Coach T blows the whistle and says, All right, everybody on the line. And we're all looking at it like, What? Like players the players aren't fighting. <laughs> like like we're we're about to run because our coaches were yelling at each other. <laughs> so to me that that's hilarious. But I'm like, man, it, it would have been really funny to see coach team make Doral and Bostwick run gassers and, and instead of the, instead of the players. So, so we had to run 
for those two arguing and bickering at each other. But I'll, I'll never forget that because to me, I, that's just hilarious. But that that's who they were as coaches, which was also phenomenal. That's funny. I thought that's where that story was going. I thought you were going to tell me he made he made AD and Boswick run. No, I wish. Been... That would have been hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, but it, it was crazy that he made, like, I'm not even exaggerating. We probably ran gassers for 20 minutes. And then we got back to practice. I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> but it is what it is. Oh, that's funny. Well, we go into 07. You're a captain that year. Was was and Obviously, it was you know your senior year. You end up becoming the MIAA Defensive Player of the Year and, and an All-American. And, uh you know, you win the, win the Don Black award on homecoming, which is, which is always special. Um, there were so many close games that year as well. I mean, the game that that's one of the games that sticks out to me is, is the Pitt state game with Xavier diving over the top on fourth and goal, um, to win that game. And as I was looking through stats, I'm pretty sure that was your career high for tackles was that game, that arrowhead game. Um, you know, the, and obviously, you know, there's the there's the Grand Valley, the you know, the Ice Bowl and the playoffs beat Shadron again with all the snow on the sidelines up up in Nebraska. And, um, you know, was that, um, you know, I'll backtrack and ask about the captain thing. What was that a, a big honor for you to be named? Because then I think there was only four captains at that time. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously, but I feel like as a sophomore or junior, I mean, heck, we could have, you could have named a lot of people captains. I mean, we had so many leaders and so many good people on, on these teams that even just, even my senior year, like you could have picked a few other people to take my spot, but that just goes to show like, I guess what one, the coaches thought of me. And I, I if I'm not mistaken, I think we actually got to vote on who was captain. So it's cool that my teammates thought of me as that because I don't, I'm not, I'm not an outspoken leader. Like I'm more of a lead by like lead by example, put your head down work. You get out of what you work for instead of just ta- running your mouth and talking and yelling and all of that. So that's the way I've always been. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an honor for sure. Well, and you know, I think, uh, from a fan's perspective, that's my perspective, right? That, that grand Valley game. I think we all thought that, you know, that was the, that was the national championship and obviously favored probably of those, of those three that you played in. I think that if, if, you know, if, if grand Valley was the favorite and the other two, they definitely were in Oh five, maybe Oh six was more of a toss up. Oh seven, the Bearcats are the favorite is, is there one of those that stings the most? Is it the loss to Valdosta in Oh seven, or was it one of the, the earlier ones to grand Valley? No, it's all of them. Because I mean, we lost, we basically lost them all within what the last minute or two of every single game. I mean, you look at each one, and we—I mean, we beat ourselves. I mean, you look at each one, and you can find mistakes, a few mistakes in each one that we messed up, or the defense doesn't get a stop, or or whatever it is. But I mean, they—they they all sting the same. I mean, I never got to. Obviously, it was unbelievable playing in three, and I could have played in four if I would have redshirted, but I believe, in, and like I said, no four. If Lambo doesn't get hurt, we play in, what, five or six straight mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But, no, they, they all sting. I still I still think about it 
still think about it today. But I mean, there's nothing you can do at the end of the day. If it, if anything, it just like I still get to compete at a high level. So if anything, it just makes me want things more because I've had that failure. So uh, one last thing about about your football career at Northwest. I know you went on to become a grad assistant, but so, number forty six. That was that was your number. Was there any significance to that number? Is did it was no. it the one you just got Co- stuck with? Or yeah, Coach T wouldn't let me change it. <laughs> like I, I tried to get I tried to get number eight, and he said nope. Uh, skill only skill position guys can wear single digit numbers. I'm like ah oh, well. Whatever. At least I tried. Because in high school, I was, I was number eight, and uh, forty-six was just the number I was given. So I, had, I was stuck with it for, for my four years. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, <laughs> your, your athletic career wasn't over at Northwest. I don't remember this. I, I, uh, you know, I was doing some research on the Northwest athletic side, and here it comes up. You played baseball for a year, and I know you talked about it on the. Um, you know, on the, on the uh, Bearcat Rewind podcast, but how did that come about with you? You end up, you know, still, again, still having that year of eligibility with, with not redshirting. How did, I know you played it in, in high school. How did, how did that come about and what made you want to want to play it baseball? Uh, so I, I was a PE major. So obviously Matt Johnson, he was the assistant coach at the time. Uh, he taught a lot of my classes and I used to just joke with them. I mean, I've joked them probably since my sophomore year of, of college about playing baseball. And we'd always just go back and forth. And then finally I realized, well, I got a year of eligibility left. I'm going to use this dang thing. I don't, I don't care what it's for. And so I got talking to them. And I think it was the winter. In the winter at the time, they were hitting downstairs in the cages. And we had class earlier in the day. And I said, let me just let me come down and hit in the cages. Cause it was, it was an off life pitching. It's not like you weren't hitting off machines or anything. So it was their pitchers. And, uh, he said, all right, just kind of messing around. And I came down and I did good. I, I mean, I hit off every single pitcher I faced. I mean, obviously you don't know if it's a base hit cause you're inside the cage, but I still hit the ball. And, uh, from there, he's just like, huh? All right, mate, come to, uh, come to conditioning stuff in the mornings. And, they do some practice up in the gym and just started from there. And it was basically kind of like a tryout and I made the team. So it was, it was an experience. I'll tell you that those, those dudes are, uh, they're a different breed. Yeah. How is it, how is it different? Just the, I don't, I don't know, the, the, the way the team set up and even, you know, practices and traveling and all that stuff. How was how it, how was it different than football? Oh, I mean, it, you, you can't even compare the two. I mean, for one, you're never home. Like I'm lucky. I was a grad assistant because I haven't like, honestly, I don't know how any of them ever get schoolwork done being an undergrad. I mean, I do, but it would have been really, really hard for me to do it just because you're gone so much. And as far as like practice and stuff goes, I think one thing that's always kind of not like, what kind of bugged me about Northwest and their baseball team is the facilities. I mean, that when I was there, I mean, I don't know if they do now. I've been back since all 11, but you don't have a locker room. You don't, I don't know. I'm sure they use the indoor facility now, but we didn't have anything like that. We had to use lower lampkin outside the weight room. Uh, we had nowhere to 
practice in the winter inside except for upstairs on the gym floor so as far as like facilities go i've always told people because the miaa is really really good at baseball like one of the top conferences in the nation and everybody's like well why are you guys always 500 or or this or that and i'm like well it's nothing against coach low or anything but when you can go to a washburn or a emporia and see their facilities compared to ours, you're going to go there and play baseball. You ain't going to go to Northwest, if, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they've upgraded those, and I've, I've kept track of them every single year, and it seems like they're getting a little bit better, a little bit better, and they've had some special players that I've noticed. But, yeah, it's kind of kind of where, where I was at with baseball. Sorry, I got off topic there a little bit. <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly, <laughs> that's kind of what I was, what I was digging for there. So, um, so obviously you're, you're, you know, and, and Chase Elliott's crew in NASCAR now, how, how did that come about? Cause I know, you know, I've heard of other guys, um, doing that. It seems like you've made as, as much a career as, as any former, um, you know, Bearcat doing it. How, you know, how, how did you first hear about that? And what was that process like of, of making it happen? So in 2011, I was still, I don't know if I was boss of assistant or coach rights at the time, but I was one of them, but obviously I still, I worked out of Bostwick's office. Just I think I was Bostwick's first and then coach rights the second year, but I worked out of Bostwick's office. So like I said, he's, he's pretty much like my, my second father. And as a grad assistant, I was working at Clarendon Academy too. Uh, when I wasn't in class in between, uh, co- grad assistant and stuff. So every year we, we raced twice a year in Kansas city. Oh, 11 was a, like oh nines probably when they really started recruiting athletes to be in NASCAR pit crews, like pretty heavily. And so 2011 came around in Kansas city, our developmental coach at the time, he goes around to all the small schools and big schools. I mean, just literally anything within like a two, two and a half hour radius of the track and just goes in and talks to coaches and say, Hey, do you have any, any athletes you recommend for this that and he explains to them like what it is and they either say yeah i got a few names here and so and so and it kind of started from that and Bostwick just told me like i mean obviously i knew that i wasn't going to play in the nfl but he always just used to mess with me because i was really slow and uh he said you, you're never playing the nfl because you're too small and you're too slow but he said <laughs> I mean, how hard is it? How hard would it be to put a tire on a car? And I was like, yeah, that's true. So, and I come to find out it's pretty hard, a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was, he came the first race of Kansas. That's in the spring. The second race is in the fall. So he came back and he asked Bostwick if he got anybody together. And he said, oh man, this guy's pretty serious. So then I asked him what it was all about and he told me. And so then it was kind of like my deal. He handed it off to me. I got like 15 guys together and he came back and we did a workout for him. And then, uh, I think out of the 12 or 15 or whatever it was, five of us actually got invited out. They fly you out to North Carolina for two days and, uh, they put you through more drills and, uh, some pit stop drills. And if they like what they see, then you're invited 
to join the developmental program. And three of us actually made the developmental program. And, uh, yeah, I've just, I've been here since 2011. And, and one of, like, one of the cool things about it is a lot of people, like, for whatever reason, I've, I've, I've never, I've never been a backup. So I never knew what that was like. Like when you, like, obviously since, I mean, I did my freshman year, but after that I started. So, but I was in NASCAR, I was a backup for, for four years and backups now actually to do the races just on lower budget cars. When I was a backup, we, had, we didn't get to do that. Like we did the Xfinity series on Saturday and you help out behind the wall on Sundays and try to earn your keep. So it was, it was a lot different back then. So I didn't do anything for four and four, four and a half years on the cup level. So that, that was pretty rewarding to me because I've never actually had that experience. So now when I see somebody that's a backup at like say Northwest for two or three years, like I can relate to that. And they finally get to start their senior year and it makes you a hell of a lot hungrier to, to get something done. I can tell you that. Well, and what is it about, you know, is, is, you know, the get former athletes and things like that. Is it, I assume it's not just the, the in shape part. A lot of, a lot of people are, are in good shape athletically. Is it the competitiveness? Is it that drive? What, what really helps out in, in that arena? Uh, I mean, mostly, I mean, to be honest, being an athlete helps. Yes. But some of the best guys in our sport that I've seen, they are, it's more of a skill than it is being athletic helps don't get me wrong certain positions yes it definitely helps but i think more more than anything it's just the mentality of an athlete like you take a kid straight from high school or somebody that's never had somebody in your face yelling at you or doesn't know how to handle diversity or failure or anything like that then it's it's a lot harder on them to where as an athlete i mean a lot of besides football, they like a lot of them are baseball and wrestlers. So there's a lot of failure and adversity in all, everything we do. Well, it's it's easy to forget about it and move on if you're an athlete. If you're not, I mean, I'm not saying there's guys obviously that do, but for the most part, to me, it's just it's the mentality of being a collegiate athlete. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Well, Jared, kind of get us caught up. I know you've you've got a got a growing family. What uh, and you guys are out in in North Carolina, is that right? Yes, sir. Right out right outside Charlotte, in a little. It's not little anymore. It's growing like crazy, but it's uh, called Troutman, North Carolina. And th- three kids, is that right? Is that what you have now? Yeah, I got a five year old boy, a three year old boy, and a two year old little girl. And they are all boy. <laughs> like I, I man, I'll, like I'm glad I don't. I live on a little ten acre farm, and our house is nothing special at all. And I told people all the time, I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't. I don't live in like a super nice house and have all this fancy stuff because these boys are. They're on a whole. I mean. They listen. They're very respectful, but they're boys. They're on a whole nother level compared to my little girl. Like it's, it's crazy to see the two different 
two different genders at, at this age. Mm-hmm. I got two boys and a girl, so I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. So, yeah. so, you know, how old are your kids? <laughs> uh, 13 and 11 are my boys and my daughter just turned eight last week. So they're, yeah. we're a little bit ahead of you. Yeah. So uh, you, you've already been through it though. Yes. <laughs> and we lived until about nine months ago, we lived in a 1200 square foot house. So oh boy, we were very, yeah, my, we were very close. <laughs> my, mine's only 2000. It's all on one level. So we're, mm-hmm. we're pretty close, but I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, to me, I like, it, it's just enough room I mean, I wish we had a, a a little bit bigger house, like a bonus room or something, but it's just enough room to where people can spread out and you ain't got to clean a lot. So mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Jared, the thing I want to wrap up with here before I let you go, and I, I certainly appreciate your time is, is do you have a, one more good Scott Bostwick story that mm. you can think of? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have many that I, probably can't share but <laughs> right. uh, yeah. my, my favorite one is so as a freshman when Longy and Chad and Harness and Troy they were all they were all my they were my mentors I, I love those guys to death and I don't ever get to talk to them really but I'm terrible at keeping in touch with people but I mean when I first got there those guys in Bostwick like on the sideline during games they used to like yell at each other and fight like son and dad. And I'd be like, the first time I saw it, I was like, it was long in Boston. I was like, holy, like this, we can do this like this. You can talk to your coach like this or whatever. I mean, that's just the way Boston was. And then, um, but it, I mean, he, he was the most amazing guy. He could, he knew how to tear you down, but build you back up and, and just love you and make you a hell of a football player. And he was so good at that, but I got off topic there for a minute, but my favorite, my favorite memory personally is we were playing Chadron and, uh, he called, he called, uh, man, man defense, where if they pass the ball, you have a certain man and Woodhead was in the backfield while I had the running back. So they motioned Woodhead out to be the slot, the third receiver. So obviously I got to wander out there with him. And I'm just like looking at him like this, this little a-hole, he ain't, he ain't going to beat me deep. So I, I literally like, I scoot back like 10 yards. Cause the dude was, he, he ran a four, three and I ran like a five flat. So I'm like, <laughs> there, there ain't no way this dude's beating me deep. And I was about to call a timeout because I'm like, well, he looked back at the quarterback and the quarterback just looked at him like, yeah, yeah, we know they're in man. So I'm like, damn, it's like, here it comes. I was about to call a timeout and be like, yeah, we, we probably don't need to run that ever again. Or if we do, we can check out of it. But they snap the ball. Woodhead runs like a three-yard slant, catches the ball and run. I think it was like 80 yards. But And I was coming off to the sideline in Bostwick. Like, you could just, like, he was so pissed. Like, you could just see it in his face. And I said, hold on. No, no. Before you yell at me, one, we should never run man defense again. If we do, we can check out of it. And two, that man is really, really, really fast. <laughs> and he just kind of smiled at me, and and he wasn't mad anymore. But that's probably my favorite memory, memory just because, I mean, he's usually always pissed. And I actually got him to, like, I actually got him to smile during a football game, which is, 
which is unheard of until after the game. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, Jared, I, I, I wish the dude was alive still and he could see where things have gone and I could, he could, I wish that, I mean, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to make it back to the, to the ceremony. Cause we have, we have three races left in the season and we're running for a championship again. So I decided, uh, it's better for me to stay here cause we're in Miami this weekend and I didn't want to fly to Kansas city Friday morning, get on a plane Saturday morning and get on a plane again Sunday morning and go, go do pit stops. But if I was, I mean, I don't know how the ceremony works, but, uh, I wish he was, if they do this, I mean, I wish he was still alive so he could introduce me in, into the hall of fame. I don't know if that's how it works, but that'd be, that'd have been really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, uh, you're very deserving and and wish you nothing but the best and uh, and good luck on the on the championship this season. And again, thanks, man, so much for for taking some time and and reliving some great memories with me. Absolutely. And and one other thing, like it, it's not, I'm not going into the Hall of Fame. Like, like I, I would trade places with. I can name ten guys on my team that I trade places with in a heartbeat, and it's all of us going into the hall of fame. Like I, I know the 016 is going in the 05 teams in it, but I didn't get there without those guys. And I tell people all the time, I, I don't understand it. Like, like God has blessed me immensely. And wherever I go, success has followed for whatever reason. I don't know why it's just, I guess that's one of the things he's blessed me with. And the teammates that I played with is no different. Like without those guys, there ain't no way I'm even in the Hall of Fame. Without the amazing coaches we had, there's no way I'm in the Hall of Fame. So I think it's a testament to the, one, the guys I played with, and two, the, the, the coaching that we had because they're all, they're all amazing. So I'll leave it at that. And a big thank you to Jared for taking some time out of his schedule, getting ready for a big uh, NASCAR cup race this weekend and uh, appreciate him and, and a great opportunity to relive some great memories. I, I mentioned, you know, I referenced the uh, Bearcat Rewind episode from, I believe it was back in July when Matt Trenton had a chance to to talk to Jared and, and talk about some of the same things. I, uh, I I purposefully tried to cover some different different topics than they did, but it's great. It's definitely worth listening to. I'm a big fan. You know, Matt and I have, have go back to our Union Star days and, and of course, my relationship with John Coffey as well. I, uh, you know, I think a lot of those guys, and they do such a great job with Bearcat Rewind on all sports. And so... Uh, Anyway, definitely something to check out and, and would encourage, you know, to add that to your uh, your podcast repertoire if you haven't already. Well, let's take a time out. We'll talk um, more Bearcat football with Wesley Miller, the sports editor for the Northwest Missourian on campus in Maryville. My chat with him is next here on Bleeding Green. Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green. Matt Daniel. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time to talk Bearcat football. Joined now by the sports editor, the Northwest Missourian, is Wesley Miller once again. And uh, Wesley, man, thanks for taking a little time and uh, chatting with me. Thank you for having me on again. Boy, we've we've got we were talking a little bit before. We've got an exciting game to talk about. What a what a uh, what a win, boy! Going into the fourth quarter, we didn't know it was going to be quite so exciting, but uh, 
Um, the Bearcats had a had a fight on their hands, and as, as exciting of a game or exciting of an ending of a game as we've had at Bearcat Stadium in uh, in quite a while. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I I was there in the press box watching it, and uh, I for sure thought my story that for that game was going to be quite a bit different uh, heading into the fourth quarter. So uh, that ending, that finish was just incredible. Uh, just as a fa- just as a fan of the sport, that that ending like can't get much better than that. Well, yeah. Well, how how many times did you have to go go through and rewrite? Because again, you know, a couple score game going in the fourth quarter, and then Washburn takes the lead a couple of times. Last time with under thirty seconds left. I mean, was was there some furious rewriting <laughs> going on for you? Fortunately, I hadn't uh, actually started writing quite yet, but I was definitely a uh, you know, thinking through throughout the game, like, oh, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to lead in with? And then, of course, they Washburn takes the lead uh, with however many seconds left it was. And I thought for sure uh, I was going to have to start writing about Washburn winning the game. And as we all know, that <laughs> didn't quite work that way. Well, well, going into this game, I mean, we knew, you know, and and and. Can, going into the rest of the season you know the bearcats know what the stakes are the the playoff chances which i don't know it's probably even too early to talk about that but it's going to be slim they're definitely you know bearcats know they're going to have to win out of course and and uh going into the game i think we expected a good matchup two teams you know it's kind of a playoff elimination um type of game and and you know I, i think i don't know i think we all kind of expected a pretty good game but i don't know uh you know I don't know what what is what do you, I think a game like this, especially you know when you have eighteen seconds or whatever it is to a couple of plays to move down the field and get in range for a field goal. I mean it it uh, you know shows shows a whole lot of fight uh, for for this uh, you know for this team to do that overcoming a lot already. We know you know the offensive line's practically a mash unit. Heck, the whole offense. There's so many guys injured and and uh, mm-hmm. what do you think a game you know, what do you take out of a game like this? Uh, I think uh, just in general, I mean, like you said, the offensive line, uh, the offense, and even some of the defense, you know, that whole team has been battling injuries. And, you know, seeing the guys, uh, some of the players, you know, step up in those moments, uh, I think that just, uh Above all, that creates confidence for the entire team, and I wouldn't see, uh, I wouldn't see any reason to like take that win away. Like you can, I mean, some games you can like uh, nitpick here, a few things here and there, but that was, I think, a solid, uh, as solid of a team win they've had all year, and you know, just seeing that, especially from players who had to step up in their roles. Uh, I don't think you could uh, uh, like take any. Comp- I don't think you could really uh, have better motivation than the way that game went Saturday. Well, and of course, the hero being Cole Lamel, the the kicker who, of course, overcame a lot of challenges and things last season with missed field goals and numerous missed extra points and things. And I, I mentioned him. I was campaigning pretty hard after a couple of weeks ago after the Mo West game for him to get. MIAA uh, Player of the Week. He finally gets that this week. What what a cool what a cool moment and story for a young man who's perfect on field goals for the season. 
very true. Uh, I know talking to him after the game, you know, he was saying uh, how last year, of course, all the struggles he went through. And uh, uh, he was talking about how, you know, there was a whole lot of trust uh, in him. And he said, you know, he said rightfully so. There was a whole lot of uh, opportunity to trust him. So, uh, you know, just seeing him bounce back uh, this year, and not even just on Saturday, but yeah, like how, like you said, perfect on the season. Just seeing him do that—that's it's just an incredible story, an incredible uh, effort from him to, you know, see what he did last year and uh, improve on that in the way he has this year. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the biggest question marks of the season last year, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the kicker position was definitely probably a weakness and uh yeah it's absolutely turned into a strength cool that's 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 i don't know you know i've i'm i'm really proud of him and that that's a really cool thing to uh to step up and see well as we go into this week obviously it's a big week it's homecoming there's a lot of other things going on besides just the game on saturday um you know, but for the first time in a while, I think, you know, I think we're hoping maybe this is a little bit might be a little bit easier of a game uh, for these Bearcats. Uh, I think we're probably I don't know. That's what I expect anyway on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it is always hard to tell uh, in this conference they're in with the MIAA. Uh, you know, this weekend or this past weekend, Northeast. Northeastern gave a pretty good game to Mo West, so you just uh, never really know. But of course, record-wise, this does seem like a pretty easy game compared to uh, the rest of the stretch down uh, down for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, it's like the hardest <laughs> the hardest games have kind of been down the stretch. You got you know after this week, two or three on the road, and and uh, you know including the, the two on the road, Carney and Emporia against. You know, teams that are like the Bearcats sitting there at two losses and trying to fight for the playoffs. And then, of course, you throw Missouri Southern in there, who's much improved and has been, you know, playing most everybody pretty tough. Um, you know, this this game also seems like it comes at a pretty decent time as far as, uh, you know, you're wanting guys to get healthy and and maybe ease some guys. There were so many guys missing last week. Maybe ease some of those guys back in this week and and give them a, an opportunity in what's hopefully maybe a little bit lower stress situation. Yeah, of course. Uh, actually talking to uh, Rich Wright today uh, at the uh, Northwest Northwest Athletics uh, media lunch on there at Pete's Ranch. Uh, he was talking and he said uh, he – Expect some players to come back this week and ex- expect some uh, improvement health-wise. So, uh, yeah, this is as good as game as ever to have some of those players come back and uh, see, uh, you know, just see how they uh, help the team trend upward. And just, uh, and I mean, even so, even with the players coming back, you obviously now have all those players that have stepped up in the past. Uh, and like we said, against Washburn. So uh, just I'd say the team is sitting pretty good right now, having all these uh, players coming back and knowing what they ha- get from uh, some of the players down uh, down in the depth chart a little bit. Yeah, yeah only going to get stronger as some of those guys get healthier. One of the things that we typically see, right, is w- with the Bearcat team is so many young guys – 
you know, usually get to come in and play kind of during some mop up time um, mm -hmm. in the past in a game like, you know, we would typically see in the last few years this weekend. But boy, a lot of those young guys have had to kind of learn, um, learn on the job, so to speak, and in some high pressure, tough situations. And, and uh, boy, if you, if you can have those guys playing and get a big win like they did against Washburn, I think that just helps, um, helps this team, especially as, as you talk about for the, for the stretch run. Exactly. And uh, that's not even just for this year. I mean, having those guys, uh, get that experience this year and as good of a job as they've done. Like you can't help, but, you know, uh, wonder how this will play out in years to come. Of course, we're a long ways from that still, but, uh, you know, just like you said, this final stretch of this year and into the years coming, just all this youth on this team and all the experience they've already had to have gotten from stepping up for injured guys. Like there's just, uh, so just so much they've learned through uh, this season. So uh, as a Bearcat fan, or as, as I said, as a, a person who, uh, you know, covers this team, it, it's just, I, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see how they uh, uh, play it out with uh, these players that they've gotten out. Yeah, it ought to be great. Well, well, Wesley, man, I sure appreciate you. It ought to be a great, um, uh, exciting uh, atmosphere, of course, for homecoming this weekend. Big game, hopefully a big Bearcat win. Thanks, man, for uh, taking some time and, and coming on to uh, to talk to Bearcats with me. Thank you so much for having me again. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time to go to the other sideline. Talk some Northeastern State Riverhawk football. Joined by the voice of the Riverhawks, Bill Huddleston. And uh, Bill, man, thanks so much for uh, coming on and, and chatting with me. Well, I kind of feel like I'm at home. You talk about Bleeding Green. I know it's a, a little bit different shade of green, Northwest <laughs> versus Northeastern State. But the Riverhawks bleed a little bit of green themselves. So we're always glad to talk on Bleeding Green. Well, obviously, sit there at... at uh, you know, one and one and six in the season. What? Well, let's talk about going into the season. Kind of what were some of the expectations from from Coach Eckerd and and the the rest of the team? I think it's just been a maturation process. I mean, from the off end of last season through the off season, the summer workouts and going into practices, it was finding the maturity level of this football team that that has I won't say honestly has taken leaps giant leaps and bounds over a year ago in their performances, although the record doesn't show it any better than it was this time last season. Like we talked earlier, Matt, I think it's just one of those circumstances where NSU's kind of been a team that has been snake bit. Sometimes the Viper has bit themselves, though, with costly turnovers at critical points in the ballgame, just going back to last Saturday's ballgame that was rain-delayed against Missouri Western. The two teams go to the dressing rooms tied. Um, Missouri Western comes out, has a short field. They score immediately. Northeastern State's got to go down the field. And then on like the third play of the possession, they throw the pick. That's happened on multiple occasions that has seemed to kind of stem any type of momentum that gets going in a football game. And 
you know, this year it's been a situation where there's been a lot of could'ves and should'ves, but just hasn't happened. And like I said a moment ago, it's sometimes been self-inflicted. Well, kind of looking at it, my point of view anyway, you know, which is out, outside point of view, it seems like the the strength of this team is the defense. Is that kind of what, what you think? I think all season long the defense has been more consistent, if you could say that. Now, a lot of that has inconsistency if you take a look at scores and stats. It's been situations that's been created by mistakes caused by the offense inopportune times of pass interceptions that have led to short scoring opportunities or just simple little mistakes that have given the opportunity to the opponent to capitalize. There have been more than one game, two or three, actually three or four games that, you know, it's been a one possession game or a tie game and and something, you have a turnover and they go score, then all of a sudden you give up as they did last week going into the fourth quarter with the advantage on the scoreboard and then give up 17 unanswered points to get beat by Missouri Western. So it's just been kind of a lot of could have and should have, but it just simply hasn't all come together for four quarters. And that's the thing that Coach Eckert is trying to preach and to get from his players is a full 60 minutes of football. Every offensive snap, every defensive snap, every special teams effort, everybody getting their best effort on every single play and making it count for a full 60 minutes and see where you stand after that. Well, I want to talk about offense, too, because it seemed like, you know, Grant Ellerick was kind of the guy last year and, and Isaiah Davis as the running back. And there's been three different quarterbacks that have that have seen time. I think Jacob Frazier has started probably the, the most is what, what's the let's start with the quarterback position. What's what's that kind of been like? And and uh, what uh, you know, what what do you kind of expect to see going forward from that position? Well, quite frankly, I'm not exactly sure what to expect going forward because, like you said, all three quarterbacks have played uh, a good number of games. Jacob Frazier has been the starter from game one up until this past week in which Grant Ward got the start, but then they alternated Ward and Grant Ellerick last Saturday, and Frazier never saw the field. So it's it's kind of like the Riverhawks are searching for their quarterback general. They're trying to find that soldier that's going to step up and do the right things at the right time, make the right reads, make the right pass attempts, or throw it away if you have to put it up in the bleachers and not make those costly turnovers. I mean, 12 pass interceptions already in seven games this season, sacked 10 times. That kind of puts your quarterback sometimes running for his life and that's been a case too and it's been a situation in the offensive line Matt that there have been just a rush of injuries that have forced first teamers to be sidelined for two weeks and then you're coming in with a second playing in a starter's role and a third playing as a backup and then during a ball game your number two goes down which was your starter for that day now you got a third line player playing in the front line position and that's sometimes tough to find consistency in your blocking schemes as well but those three quarterbacks have shared their time i mean jacob frazier and ben ward are both plus 60% of their pass completions, but it's just been those inopportune errors uh, that have sometimes been self-inflicted, maybe not the right proper read on a situation. Sometimes it's just been a great defensive play by the opposing defensive back to pick the ball away midair. But the inability to find a consistent ground game, I think, has put more pressure on the Riverhawks' passing attack. And even though Darius Salters and Isaiah Davis share the touches, it just hasn't been coming up with the total package. I mean, you take a look at this offensive average, 113 yards per ball game, rushing 150 through the air, just 263. Your opponents are averaging 
uh, close to 400 yards per ball game, that puts you in the downhill side of the race. Well, and and I know, I don't know, from, like I said, outside looking in, I mean, it does seem like this team has been more competitive later in games, you know, specifically last week, heck, you know, close to halftime or, or at least midway through the second quarter with Pitt State, it was it was a touchdown game. Um, you know, how do you compare this year's team versus last year's team? Like I said earlier, there is a night and day difference between the two teams, and you're right, the competitiveness, the being in a ball game late. I mean, you go. You mentioned Pittsburgh State. I mean, they got hit right in the mouth right out of the game. We're down very quickly, 14 nothing. got it back to a 21-14 ball game and had a chance to make it 21-21, and then one of those costly mistakes led to a runaway effort by Pittsburgh State before halftime. Same way uh, in the game against Missouri Southern, same way in last week's ball game against Missouri Western. The only game that they've just been uh, kind of knocked in the mat and never got back up was in the game at UCO a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it's a ball club in all aspects that has taken big steps forward. It's just their opponents are taking those same type of steps and you got to just keep climbing the ladder and never turning your back or never giving up. And and I think that's part of this football team's character is they're, they're continuing to battle. They're, they're not going to just throw in the towel. Uh, even though uh, sometimes the mistakes happen at inopportune times, they're, it's not from lack of want to. It's not lack of desire. It's just been one of those uh, snake bit type situations. Well, if you look at the schedule past this weekend in Maryville, got at Fort State, Fort Hayes, and then, uh, you know, home against Washburn and Kearney. I mean, that's that's as, uh, you know, we talked about UCM's tough start to the season. That's a that's a pretty tough end to the season for for Northeastern. Well, it's obviously going to be uh, it's also going to be four weeks of of warfare and Riverhawks are going to have to bring their best ball game. But I think one area that sometimes doesn't get talked about enough is the special teams play. And this year, Northeastern State's got one of the better kickers in the MIAA, regardless of what the record is. Tyler Crawford's three of four from beyond 50 yards on field goal attempts, six for 10 on the season and his punting average. He's had to punt the football 41 times, but he's averaging right at 41 yards per kick. So he's been a consistent leg there to help solve some of those field position issues. It's just um, sometimes put in critical situations because of inopportune penalties or things like that. Like I said earlier, defense has done its job as good as maybe they could be expected under some of the certain conditions, but now it's time to put 60 minutes of football together. Well, obviously tough, tough matchup against, uh, you know, we talked about how beat up the river Hawks are. The Bearcats know all about that, especially on the offensive line and, and, and on kind of all over the offense. What does Northeastern state have to do this weekend in Maryville to, to keep this game close? Avoid their own mistakes. Don't try to force a play to happen make it happen. Do that with your offensive line execution. Do that with your quarterback making the proper progressions on his reads, pre-snap reads, as much as during the play itself. And then go get the football. If you're a receiver coming across the middle, you know you're probably going to get hit. That can't be in your mind. You've got to go get the football. The Riverhawks have had solid performances from their receivers. Deshaun Williams had over 100 yards in receiving last week in the game against Missouri Western. Malik Antwine and Claude Williams have kind of been the three-receiver package. They've worked their tight end to the picture a little bit the last couple of ball games. So I think offensively, it's just don't be your own 
cause for mistake. Make the other team force their will upon you versus you helping the situation. And then defensively, I mean, if you can limit the ground game, you got yourself a better chance. But you know, you take a look at the total offensive packages. It's it's sizably in favor of the opponent all year long. And Northwest is averaging 392 yards per ball game to Northeastern 263. So the ability for the offense to put together consistent drives, not be a, a three and out series two or three, four times in a row, but put together some time of possession. Uh, all year long, the time of possession has been pretty much equal, but you've got to find a way to, I don't want to say shorten the game, but give your offense a chance to move the ball downfield, do it with the ground game, do it with the through the air, and then make the play when it's available, and then let your defense come and do what it tries to do and keep keep yourself in the ball game. But coming to Maryville, we know it's going to be a war. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This has been a series that is all uh, Northwest because since the series started with the very first meeting in 1939, all time it's an 11-0 record on the part of your shade of green. 16 wins in a home uh, in a row for the Bearcats. 26 straight winning seasons, six national titles since 1990. Yeah, we know we're coming to championship football area, and the Riverhawks just look to try to come and show what they've got. Well, and one other thing before I let you go, Bill, that I want to ask you about is, is what's the the feeling like? You know, is there I don't know any pressure on this coaching staff. Obviously, go back to 2019, a, a winless year, improve that to two wins last season, sitting at at one win. Not that they couldn't get to possibly two wins, but again, like it does seem like this team is improving. Is there is there pressure from you know higher up from from the administration and and, and such? I mean, I know there's always pressure, but say if uh, you know, it, it, do they recognize improvement or does you know? I mean, ultimately, I know coaches get judged on wins. What's is there any rumblings or, or talk about that or anything? I think, first of all, Matt, you'd like to look at 2019 and just throw that season out the window. I mean, J.J. Eckert was hired late in the recruiting cycle. Uh, he pretty much was left to deal with the players that were there and what few pickups he could uh, convince to come and join his plan for the future. Then you had the COVID year, which nobody played. Then this year really being the only full season of measurement. So I think you have to look at what happened last year, yeah, with the two wins was better than before, but you have to really look at where where the overall pictures come from. Is there any pressure? I don't know that there's any talk of any type of thing like that. I think it's all self-inflicted pressure, the desire to be successful, the desire to be consistent with the offense, consistent with the defense, and then find yourselves in a winning situation and then getting it done. I don't think there's any second guessing there. I think it's just a matter of, you know this, in today's I got to have it, I got to have it now society in which we went in, people start rumbling things on their own when really there's no cause for that concern. I think right now it's the Riverhawk coaching staff and the players finding the way to block any of that distraction out and just go about their business and do what they've been coached and taught to do and prepared to do and put together 60 full minutes of football, not 15 here, 15 there, but first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, solid effort, offense, defense, and special teams and see where you stand after that. All right, perfect. Well, it'll be a, a great atmosphere in Maryville homecoming this weekend. Wish you wish you guys uh, all the best and, and safe travels up here and, and back home. I appreciate you coming on, Bill. Thank you. Anytime. Always pleasure to bleed green, whether it's uh, Riverhawk green or your Bearcat color. 
Hello, this is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for this week's player interview. Proud to be joined by running back number 27. He's a junior from Liberty, Missouri, Robert Rowie. And, and Robert, thanks, man, for coming on Bleeding Green and chatting with me today. Of course, it's a pleasure to be on here. So so tell me, let's get to know you a little bit. I mean, we know you're from Liberty. We know about your high school career, but I want to kind of go back earlier than that. So just t- kind of tell me a little about what was, what was uh, you know, growing up like for you. Uh, growing up for me, I uh, was always very active. Uh, both my sisters were really into softball. And so for my parents, it was kind of hectic because it was either uh, a softball field or me at a football field, basketball court, or anything like that. So the weekends were always doing something sports-related, something going on. And so uh, I was always busy, always very busy, and just kind of always been used to that. <laughs> so did, so did, when you were younger, did you just kind of play whatever season it was, whether it was basketball, baseball, football? Um, it, actually, it actually started out for me as soccer and uh, basketball. And basketball was kind of like always year round. And then soccer was uh, pretty much year round as well with indoor soccer. And I actually didn't start playing tackle football until sixth grade, which is uh, interesting. (laughs) All right. That is interesting. But back then, were you did you start out as a running back or did you just kind of play all over the place? Or So my my sixth grade year, my first year. Um, I thought I was going to be a receiver, so I picked the number 85 and ended up being a running back, um, little eye formation running back. Uh, and then the very next year, I was playing tight end, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, I was in a whole new world, and I was like, oh, boy. And so that's kind of how it started out for me. And then eighth grade was back to running back and been running back ever since. All right. Did you have a favorite athlete? growing up was it a football player was it a basketball player i think growing up uh the human joystick dante hall i love dante hall he was just like his skill set everything like that Uh, i love tony gonzalez um those were probably the two that i really uh noticed really noticed because again my my dad and i we'd go to chiefs games all growing up (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, so what, uh, I know once you got in high school, it, w- it was mostly football and track. What, um, what event in, uh, what, what event were you in track? Um, I participated in the 100, the 200 and the, uh, four by one, four by two and four by four, uh, did all that, did all that. All right. Was football, at what point did for football kind of become the priority for you? Um, football probably came the priority for me after my, uh, freshman year of high school. Um, I got moved up to varsity, uh, in that first freshman year summer. And my, uh, first carry was at least some at West. It was like a 13 yard carry. And, uh, next thing you know, my, my role increasingly got bigger. And then I ended up being like the starting, uh, free safety there for the varsity squad. And then going into sophomore year, uh, my my role at running back really progressed, and 
all kind of just fell into place like that. Yeah. Well, so you were obviously all stayed a couple of different times in high school. At what point um, did did colleges start reach, reaching out to you? I think as early as like the end of like my sophomore year season, a lot of schools were kind of reaching out to me to like get me to go to camps and showing interest. Uh, I think I had one game day visit. I'm not, I don't remember <laughs> where it was to, but I think I had a game day visit sophomore year. And then junior year is when it really started to pick up and uh, uh, had had a couple game day visits at Northwest, had a couple game day visits at some D1s. And uh, that just kind of flew into senior year with uh, the MIAA schools and a couple FCS schools. And so what what were what schools were, were coming after you the hardest, probably? Um, hmm. Out of the MIAA, I would say it was Fort Hayes and Washburn for the most part. Um, And then Northwest as well uh, popped in there there at the end. I even had a look at Truman State as well with it. So those were probably the the top schools that were kind of looking at me. Okay. Well, well, and well, I know you have some, some family connections to Northwest. Is that what ended up putting Northwest over the top for you? Well, um, <laughs> it, it was interesting cause I, I had my visit to Washburn and then I was scheduled to have a visit at Truman state and Fort Hayes later in the week. And it was a Tuesday night and I got a text from one of the coaches at Northwest and they were like, Hey, look, we, we want you up here, um, for a visit. And I was like, okay, cool. When? And they were like tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I was talking on the phone and have my parents right next to me. I was like, can we, can we do this? And they were like, yeah, let's, let's go. And, uh, I get, I get here and I mean, I always knew the family aspect and the, the culture aspect of Northwest. And I think when I was on the visit, I really kind of felt that, uh, I remember, uh, being on the visit and just, uh, coach Wright's wife was there talking to both my parents and, uh, making that personal connection and as well as every other coach that was there. Uh, and I felt really welcomed. And I remember going up and talking to coach Wright about playing, playing here and, kind of made my decision right on the spot and just felt like home felt like I was going to be a part of something greater. Well, and I mean, you'd kind of grown up going to some Bearcat games with your dad, right? You were telling me about the, before we, before we went on here about uh, the 2013 season, going to several games, even going to the championship game. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, since 2013, I've actually been to every Northwest, uh, national championship um so again both my sisters uh went to northwest and so it was like okay we'll we'll go see my sisters and go to the football game and that's kind of how it was and so my old sister she was that 2013 season and we'd always go to the games together and uh, we kind of took the trek to alabama that year and i think it was lenore ryan that we played and beat them Mm-hmm. And then, 
my junior year of high school, Jessica played softball. My middle sister uh, played softball here. And that was when I was kind of going on my game day visits and stuff like that. But, and then we had 2015, 2016. Uh, I don't remember which year was that snowmageddon, but that was 2016. That blizzard. <laughs> yeah, 2016. Yeah. Yep. Froze my butt off in that game, <laughs> uh, sitting in the stands. But yeah, I've been to every single one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll talk about, you know, I want to talk about your redshirt year because I know from from talking to, to so many players and ex-players, that's that's kind of a formative year. I mean, heck, and if you look at the signing class that you were a part of, I mean, there's so many guys, um, you know, that are, you know, Mitch Goff, Walker Graves, Ryan Dewhurst, um, Cole Hembro, you know, so many. Uh, Mike Owensy, you know, Zach Howard, although he was the only one that played as a true freshman. Um, mm-hmm. And on and on. I'm, I'll leave some guys out, but there's a ton of, of you know, the Isaac Volstead, the juniors on on this year's team, Seth Zagunas. So what? Uh, tell me a little bit about that redshirt year and, and the kind of bond that you kind of started with some of those guys that, that continues now. Um, I would say... Uh, <laughs> Our class was really, really close, um, and it all started with uh, Joe Q, um, uh, and uh, actually Jake Volstead as well, uh, Isaac's brother. So, I mean, it was it was some early mornings, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., pretty much Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday it was 6.30 a.m. in the morning conditioning, and we, we kind of learned how people reacted to things we learned how uh each of us was motivated and um it it really brought us together because it was like we're we're working through being this red shirt we're not playing we're on scout team um and all of that and whether it was that we were at the union eating together around a big old circle table like we would pack a circle table of like close to probably 15 guys and i think we'd get some stairs in the union just because we were a little little loud and over the top sometimes just because we were laughing and having a good time but other than that we were always hanging out in each other's dorm rooms and just getting to know each other for the most part and always just kind of stuck together through that great group of guys awesome well so so tell me about number 27 was there was that just kind of what you, you had here at northwest is there any significance to it so 27 is kind of like an odd number. Like you don't really see it too much, but like you see it. Um, there's really like, so the story behind it was, uh, I, I started out being number 31 in eighth grade and I was like priest Holmes. Like I like priest Holmes a lot. Like I'm going to wear number 31 and I get to high school and on the freshman team, I was still number 31. And that summer that I got moved up, coach Freon was like, all right, look, I got two numbers available. And he was like, 63 and 27 it's your pick (laughs) so i was like i'll take 27 and it kind of stuck ever since then and yeah it's kind of the story behind it nothing nothing too big but that's awesome that's awesome so uh, before we get to the pick six here so what's your major and then what what are your plans after uh after graduation so i am physical education and uh i would like to go back somewhere in kc and pretty much give back and like teach some students and uh, whether it's middle school or high school weight training, I'm very interested in weight training. Uh, Joe you got me interested in that. Um, and really coaching football. Um, I've always loved the knowledge aspect of football. I've always loved it. Um, 
from high school on really. And so I want to coach, um, whether that's position coach, maybe one day an offensive coordinator, head coach, and then maybe even one day work my way up to be an athletic director somewhere in Kansas city, uh, would be the, uh, end goal, I would say. All right. Awesome. Well, it's time. It's time for the pick six here. Are you ready for him? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. First question. It's always the same. What, uh, what pregame rituals or, or stu- superstitions do you have, if any? Uh, so I don't necessarily have a pregame ritual, but I have like a routine. Um, pretty much the routine is, uh, I gotta, I gotta get a little, uh, little arm workout in, uh, get, get the blood pumping. And I'm not a big, like rah, rah guy, like not a big music guy or anything like that. So I actually don't really listen to music at all. And if I do listen to music, it's like, uh, it's not like pump up music. It's like just a softer, soft music or something like that. I never been that big rah rah guy. So it's more of just a routine for me and getting ready, getting ready as quick as possible for the most part, <laughs> get in the zone. All right. Fair enough. Are you a early bird or a night owl? I am probably an early bird. Um, I, it goes back to just like, always just getting up for morning weights. I feel like I've always been one of those guys that wake up at five 6 AM and ready for the day. <laughs> All right. Third question of the pick six. What's your favorite sports movie? Oh goodness. Favorite sports movie would have to be, uh, probably glory road. It's a basketball movie about Texas Western winning the national championship and mm-hmm. such. That's a good one. Oh yeah. All right. Fourth question of the pick six. Who has the best hair on the team? Best hair on the team. Wow. All right. Trying to think of some of the flows that we got. I would say our long snapper. He got some good, good hair. Um, Oh, Peyton Carter. Peyton Carter takes the, takes the cake for best hair for sure. (laughs) Got the nice flow. All right. Perfect. Fifth question of the pick six. Um, Since we're in October, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever wore? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> growing up, I was kind of a scaredy cat. So, um, I always went for like the heroes. So I would probably say either like a power ranger or a, uh, I think I was Indiana Jones one year and that was a pretty good costume for me. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Final question here. What movie have you, are you embarrassed that you've never watched? That I've never watched what yeah, movie? Like a like a movie that's always coming up and and you're like, oh man, I've never seen that movie. Oh my goodness. Uh whew. let me think. I know that's putting you on the spot. That's a bit of a thinker. That's, that is a thinker. Um movie I haven't watched. I know someone could probably say one, and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I've actually never even seen that movie at all. Um, trying to think of some classics that I haven't seen. Yeah, mine's The Godfather. By the way, I've never seen any. I, I of the was Godfather literally movies. thinking The Godfather. I was literally <laughs> thinking that one. I've never seen it, but I was like, man, is that is that too classic for my gender? Like, I just don't know. Yeah, that's maybe that's maybe a little little old for you, but uh, it's a classic. Yeah, it's I've never it's, seen The Godfather. It's it's one of those where I. I know enough about it to be able to carry on a conversation, but it's, yeah. uh, 
I don't know. You know, th- there's a point where once you kind of haven't seen a movie, it's like, ah, I'm not like, going to go back and watch it at this point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Robert, so, man. I'll I, the Godfather, yeah. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on as always. And, and uh, thanks so much for your time, man. And, and best of luck the rest of the season. Of course. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Hi, this is Xavier Oman, former Northwest Bearcat. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat. And welcome back here on Bleeding Green. You know what time it is. It's time for the Bearcats, according to Eli here with the star of the show himself. Hey, buddy. Hi. How's it going? Good. Boy, quite a game we had uh, last weekend at Bearcat Stadium, huh? Uh-huh. Won by a field goal mm-hmm. in 24 seconds. Yeah, I know. We that... used our times very wisely. Yeah, it was. you've never seen a game like that before, have you? Uh-huh. And it was incredible. Well, the Bearcats have a na- nickname, the Cardiac Cats for kind of leaving games late like that and pulling victory from the jaws of defeat kind of thing. How, uh, you, you, I'll just say you lost your mind in the stands. Didn't you? When we made that field goal, I had a seizure, <laughs> not quite, but, um, you were, you were pretty excited, huh? Uh-huh. And along with that, you've, uh, you've got a couple of favorite players. Finally, here's where in the, latter half of the season but we'll talk about that after we do our picks that work for you yeah at the very end okay we'll save it for the end all right well let's talk of course we know about the bearcat game we both picked the bearcats one one of us had 24 to 14 as the score and then somebody else stole that score so um you stole my score (laughs) yeah sure 32 30 the bearcats over washburn let's uh let's go over the rest of our picks um Emporia went to Kearney, and uh, wow, what a big time. Went over 550 yards of total offense for Emporia. It was their first road win over a ranked team since 2016. Five for five in the red zone. They ran for 277 yards. Held TJ Davis to a buck 36 through the air and 53 on the ground. And uh, get a massive 44-21 victory. We both picked Kearney in this game, so that was the... The, the one uh, the one game that that I got wrong and uh, not to rub it in or anything but uh, yeah we we both went for Carney wins so swing and a miss for us right off the bat yep it's all on you it's your fault <laughs> then uh, UCM their homecoming playing Missouri Southern I was the only person in the forum of course I'm gonna brag about it you know I am to pick to pick Lambeau and UCM. They had over 100 more yards of total offense in Southern. They eke out a 20-17 to 17 win. UCM um, was in the red zone four t- six times. They scored on four of them. Cedric Case keeps playing well at quarterback, 274 yards passing. They had over 35 minutes time of possession. Nathan Glades was kind of one of the bright spots for Southern with 105 rushing yards. But, uh, boy, I was real close on this one. I had 21-17 UCM. That's pretty good. You picked Southern, so you're starting out here 0-2, buddy. Um, 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 um. 
Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I never <laughs> would do that. No. The most obvious game of the week, Pitt and Lincoln. Pitt with a 49-10 victory. It was 28-3 at half. Um, Lincoln scored a touchdown with 25 seconds left to even get the 10. Chad Dodson, pretty limited action. I don't think he hardly played at all in the second half. Uh, 242 and two touchdowns through the air for him. And uh, you went 78 to six on that one. I was I was 52 to seven. We both were. I, I was definitely closer on that one. No, I was. <laughs> UCO hosting Hayes. And uh, we thought maybe it might be a closer game. Adam Doral gets his 100th victory, UCO's fourth consecutive win. Stephon Brown has been playing really well at quarterback. Kind of that Northwest game was a breakout game for him. He went for 381 through the air and three touchdowns. Hayes led 10-0. UCO scored the next uh, 22 unanswered. And, but it was 22-17 going to the fourth quarter. Relatively close game. No chance fuller again for Hayes. They turned the ball over four times. And uh, 35-23 UCO victory in that one. We both had uh, had UCO, of course, so we got that one. Kind of the shocker of the week, almost the upset of the year, was Missouri Western at Northeastern State. Western led 6-0 at halftime. Northeastern State, with uh, just a little over 10 minutes left, led 16-6. But Western scored 17 unanswered in the last 10-02 of the game to improve to 12-0 all-time against Northeastern State. With a 23-16 victory, Reagan Jones got himself benched. Ty Baker came in. Uh, Northeastern State just 269 yards of total offense. Closer game. You had it. You had it pretty close, man. You were 24-17. You were a point off for both teams. That was that was really good, by the way. I, I uh, I'm pretty sure I chastised you last week because I, I thought there was no way this game would be that close. I sh you know what you want to know what I get to say? What's that? You suck. <laughs> Yeah, but I get to. No, 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 you said the score would be way up. I don't care about these, whoever won and lost. Well, I actually do. But uh, uh, guessing the points is way more cooler than guessing the team that wins. Guess how many times you've been even close to guessing the points. Like twice. I've done it like 40 times because I can tell the future and you can't lose her. Yeah. We've only picked 42 games I don't this care. season, so that's pretty good if you've been you've been pretty close 40 times. I was five and one on the week. You're four and two. That gives me a three game lead over you. 32 and 10. You're 29 and 13. So shut no. bite lose. me, pal. R <laughs> scoreboard. I'll just say scoreboard. All right, let's go to our week eight picks. You ready for this week's picks? Yeah, yeah. See if you yeah. can. You can. Who's up uh, first? Okay. Who's up first? Missouri Western at Pitt. Missouri um, Western. I don't know. I, Western just seems to play Pitt. well there. I know that was more of a Partridge Pitt. thing. They they laid an egg last week. No, yes. Pitt. I know. You don't need to talk about it. It's Pitt. 28-13 is what I've got. I think it's it probably won't even be that close. But Pitt isn't that impressive. I mean, they're good. They're really good. But they don't seem to be able to put a whole 60 minutes together. They won't need to against Western, but... 10-28. My score is better, just so you know. Okay. UCO traveling to Washburn. This is almost a pick -em game. Uh, UCO's got the better record. I like Washburn in this game. I think their passing attack is going to be tough for UCO, UCO. to stop. They're, although UCO's offense is playing UCO. better. 
I'm going to go 35-31 Washburn. Okay, hold up. UCL beat us, but we beat Washburn. Mm-hmm. So, but when they clash, it's different. It's completely different story. Yes, there's, it's not always like a transitive property kind of thing. I don't even know what that means. Okay, so. It's fine. Me neither. I want to say UCO. <laughs> but if I do and I get it wrong, I'm going to be so many games behind. But I'll risk you got to take some chances if UCO. you want to catch up. UCO. Okay, what's your score, pal? I really like today 28, but I'm going to use 27. Okay. To this is I'm gonna say the lower score now, twenty-seven to. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with eighteen. I really okay. UCM is at Hayes. Hayes with their one win. UCM has two now. I, um, I don't know what to think about Hayes. I don't think they're that bad, but they uh, not having Chance Fuller most of the year isn't great. I like UCM in this game. I think this is another kind of pick em game. I'm going to go 24-16 UCM over Hayes. Who's UCM? Central. Okay, well, uh, why don't you just say the Mules or Central instead of saying UCM? I don't even know. Well, this is the eighth week that we've done this. Well, I never knew what you meant. <laughs> I think you call me out on this every week. Yeah. The University of Central Missouri. Why don't you just say CM? Okay. Well, who are you going to go with? The Mules or the Tigers? I really want to say Central because, like, they have a way better score, man. Like, man. They have one more win. Dude. But they played a more difficult schedule, I will say. Yeah, dude. I think I'm going to go with Central. Okay. Dude. What's your score, dude? What was your score, dude? Say it again. Who did you think was going to win Central? Central, 24-16. I think I'm going to go with 27. 17-27, I think. Is that what I said? Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Okay, Carney's at Lincoln. We know this won't be close. 56-10, Carney. No, 5610 Lincoln. <laughs> That's, I don't know why someone would ever laugh over a football game. That's the only football game someone would actually be able to laugh over. I don't know Lincoln why won. anyone would laugh how you just laughed. That was really interesting. I laughed like a mule. <laughs> you know what would have been really I didn't funny? say that. Let the record say. If a mule was there. No! If they were going against a mule. Don't interrupt me. I think today I'm really feeling like Lincoln is going to have a terrible week, like they always do. Obviously, Nebraska Kearney. Score? I'm not stupid. 78-0. I don't you care really if I'm liking that 78, score. aren't you? 78 is the score to destroy Lincoln, to make Lincoln think. Maybe. Just maybe. That one day, I believe Lincoln will get one win. I believe that one day they'll get one. Next season against Northeastern State, I believe they can have a chance of winning. Yeah, maybe. Northeastern State actually looks better this year. Lincoln, not so much. But we got one more game before the Bearcats and Riverhawks. Emporia at Southern. I like Emporia in this game. I think Southern's defense will keep it close. Uh, but I'm going to go 28-17. 
close. Emporia. Yeah, but Emporia I mean, Emporia has scored. One of the best teams. It's mm, true. And they've scored more than 40 points, I think, three games in a row, which is the first time they've done that since like 2017. So. I really believe that Emporia is an amazing team. Very impressive this season. And I'm obviously going with Emporia. Mm hmm. Missouri Southern is still really good, but I think I'm, well, I already said I'm going Emporia. I'm going to say a score of 28 to 17 because I got to do the higher score first. That's the same score that I said. You're going to go with you that did? again? Yes. I said 28 Maybe I should listen. That's hmm. a novel, novel idea. 27, 16. That's the third time in a third time this week you've picked twenty seven. Yeah, oh, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Okay. I do like Emporia. I said before the season I really like them. Braden Gleason. I I think he's a great quarterback. I I can, can I'm score gonna, some points. I'm gonna show you that I'm gonna hear your score this time. I'm gonna know. Okay. Your score this Bearcats time. and Riverhawks. It's homecoming in Maryville. We we uh, I have dadly duties, so I will not be there, but uh, I'll definitely be watching the game for sure. I'm going to go 44-7 uh, Bearcats. I think Northeastern State is really going to struggle offensively. I think the Bearcats kind of found something offensively last week, even though everybody was hurt. I think we should probably get some players back this week. 44-7 Bearcats. So, Did you hear that, Eli? 44 for the Bearcats, 7, seven for the for Riverhawks. 44-7. The Bearcats. <laughs> What are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? I really, really just I think that our defense has been doing good and our offense has gotten a lot Because at the beginning they they I'm gonna be honest, they were doing kind of horrible. They made some good some good passes and some good runs and some pretty good touchdowns. But uh Washburn versus them was probably the their best game. Mm -hmm. So I really think that their offense has gotten a lot better since then. So I'm going to, even though it's only been a week. So I'm going 56 to 14. I have a feeling they'll score a few points, but not enough to win. Definitely yep. not enough. Perfect. Well, there we go. All right. Without further ado, you don't have a favorite player this year, but you have a favorite player on each side of the ball. Uh-huh. So you want to end the suspense and tell us. Let's start with defense. Okay. It is to be continued. I'm just joking. I wouldn't do that. I'm Tune not in next week. Rude. Yeah, no. Yeah, no cliffhangers on Bleeding Green. Sorry. If we did that, that means people would have to wait the next week until the end of that episode. Listen to the whole thing unless they were going to be little nerds and skip to the end like little cheaters, then I would just say, to be continued again and on and on until the day that they die. That's that's interesting. Which means I'd have to do it for probably many, many, many years. Anyway, um, <laughs> without further ado... On task, buddy. We gotta stay on task. My favorite defense player is Elijah Green, number two, because now I have to remember the numbers of my favorite players because numbers are really easy when they're not like all difficult mm -hmm. if they're lower than 10 or like 
20 or 30 or 60 or 50 or 40. That's a lot easier to remember. That's why, yeah. Okay, so Elijah good. Green on defense. What about uh, on offense? Mike Coency, number nine. Who I add to who will be on the podcast next week. Spoiler alert. Oh my gosh, so. that's not okay. You can't spoil it. This is bleeding green. It's not spoil green. <laughs> I usually don't, but I happen to know. So there you go. A little, little nugget for next week. All right, buddy. A well, little chicken nugget. What do you got for us? How are you going to wrap it up this week? You know, the Bearcats aren't red, white, and blue. Unless it's like a... What happened during Washburn? Military Appreciation. Military Appreciation mm-hmm. Day. Okay. Then they are. Which, and uh, gray. That's really good. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the only time they're that is one day of the whole year. So most of the time, they're green. All hopped up on Mountain Dew. That's Eli and the Bearcats, according to Eli. I want to say a big thank you once again here as we start to wrap things up as uh, we're kind of in the overtime mark. Anything over 90 minutes is overtime, so uh, it is what it is. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. A big thank you, of course, to Jared Erschbommer, uh, Robert Rawi, um, Wesley Miller from the Missourian, and uh, Bill Heddleston as well from uh, Northeastern State, the voice of Riverhawk Athletics, and of course, Eli. And thank you so much for tuning in and uh, and joining us once again this week. It would encourage you, if you're behind or you didn't catch all of the off-season episodes, there's a ton of content out there. There's uh, there's lots of episodes you can go back and listen to, and, and definitely some episodes that I think maybe some folks kind of overlooked in the off season. So as we're, as we're thinking about road trips to Kearney and Emporia coming up here, or, or just if you're, you know, coming from, from uh, outside of Maryville, you got a little bit of drive, uh, definitely encourage you to, uh, to tune in and check out some of those episodes that, uh, that maybe you've missed or even the, the Oh five team as they went into the hall of fame last year, the episode with, with uh, coach T and myself, from last year. Like I said, lots of really good content that you can check out. Just appreciate all of your support. And, uh, you know, you're the, you're the thing that, that makes this thing go. You're the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. So anything you can do, if, if you know somebody you think would appreciate the podcast and, and, uh, share, you know, share, share it with them and uh, do what you can. A lot of different folks share it on on Twitter and on Facebook. I definitely appreciate that. There's a lot of different ways to kind of follow what's going on with Bleeding Green. The Twitter page, underscore bleeding, underscore green, on uh, the Bleeding Green podcast Twitter page and Twitter account. You can uh, follow us on Facebook as well. Just uh, follow the group, like the group, Bleeding Green Podcast. You can head on over to the website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. Like I said, a lot of different ways. And and whatever app you listen to, if you don't listen through the website and listen to an app, which I think most people do, you know, if there's a way to give it a give it a thumbs up, give it a five-star review, whatever you can do, if if you deem that it is worthy of either one of those things, would certainly appreciate that. Anything you can do to help me grow this thing. I think there's still a lot of Bearcat fans that we can reach. And uh I just I just love doing this, so I'll, I'll do it as long as you're listening. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your very gracious host, Matt Daniel, and as always, go Bearcats! Go Bearcats!